Tiki Hut Media. Hey there, welcome into Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Wicker, and we are in week three of our series called God Is, and this is where we are together discovering how to fill in the space after that phrase, God is blank, and we fill that space with truth. And this week, we're looking at the trustworthiness of God and how he will love us even when we feel like he can't possibly love us. Has anyone ever lied to you, betrayed you, or broken your trust? Odds are it's happened at some point in your life, and it'll probably happen again in the future. Why? Well, because we humans are not perfect. We try our best to keep our word, fulfill our promises, be trustworthy, but at some point, all of us will inevitably drop the ball. Whether it's missing a deadline at work or breaking a promise to a friend, we all inevitably break trust in our relationships. Experiencing broken trust is incredibly painful, not only in the short term, but also damaging in the long run. In fact, there's extensive neuroscience research about the impact broken trust has on our brains, our bodies, and our relationships. Our brains are wired to trust others, and when we trust, we release oxytocin, which scientists have called the love chemical or even the elixir of trust. The release of this chemical in our brain causes us to increase trust. So the more experiences we have with positive trust, the more willing we are to trust others. Now, the opposite is also true. When someone breaks our trust, it stimulates the part of the brain that produces fear, making it even more difficult to trust in the future. So, when it comes to trusting God, we are often tempted to project past experiences with imperfect humans onto our current experiences with a perfect God. And maybe it's difficult for you to trust God because someone has hurt you. Or maybe it's difficult for you to trust God because something awful happened in your life and it seems like God didn't answer your prayer to stop it. And while the pain of these experiences is real, it doesn't change the truth about who God is. He is the only one who is completely trustworthy. Let's take a look at what scripture tells us about why we can put our trust in God. First of all, he never changes. Unlike us humans who can change their mind at any time, God will never change his mind about his love for you or his good plans for you. He is consistent and his love is constant. The second thing, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Nothing you could do could ever make God turn away from you. His presence is always with us. And no matter what happens to us, he will be with us through it all. And the third thing, he's always working for our good. Even when we experience pain in this life, God can create beauty from ashes. He specializes in restoration and redemption, and he can give purpose to our pain. So no matter how many times other people have let you down, God never will. And when you feel like there's no way God could possibly love you, remember, he'll never leave you and he is worthy of your trust. Our scripture reading for the morning comes from Luke's gospel, the eighth chapter. We begin our reading this morning with the 40th verse. Let us hear these holy words. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. 
for they were all waiting for him. Just then, there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. As I said, we are in a series called God Is, and this is where we are looking at different attributes of God each week. But how can any of us really know what God's like? So many times we, we view him, we look at him from just our limited pers- perspective. I mean, it's our finite minds trying to understand the infinite creator, a daunting task. But it doesn't have to be that way. Together, we're filling in that blank. God is each and every way, each and every week with God's truth. Week one, we looked at God is hope when you're hurting. Last week, we found that God is living without worry. This week, we're going to look at an attribute of God that quite frankly is one of the most widely believed, and yet, if we're honest, it's the most often doubted about who God is, and it is that God is loving. As a matter of fact, that truth is found in 1 John 3, 1. It says this, See what love the Father has given us. Other translations say, lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You see, I'm a child of God. You are a child of God. But here's the thing. This verse is interesting. It's interesting to me because it creates some issues because there's, there's really two types of people who read this and, and glean from that what God is. I call them the doubters and the shouters. And you got the shouters. And these are the people who say, yeah, I'm a child of God. God loves me. 
Yes, Jesus loves me, for the Bible tells me so. And then you got the doubters that say, well, if God truly is a loving father, why would he love somebody as poor and pitiful as me? And if we're honest, if we keep true, even if we're a shouter, there have been times in our lives where we have been a doubter. I know I have. Even those of us who have incredible faith, massive amounts of faith, there are moments, life happens, and we stop, and we say, can God really love me? Does God really love me? So today, I want to talk to anyone, whether here in the sanctuary or watching us on YouTube this morning. Anyone who has ever questioned God's love. If you've ever wondered or doubted if God could possibly love a poor wretch like you, I've got some good news for you. If you've desperately searched for approval, if you've searched for affirmation or acceptance, or maybe just need to know that someone actually does love you, this message is for you. The title of today's message is When You Feel Like God Can't Love You. And that brings us to our gospel reading this morning in Luke 8. Let's break this down. you got this father, as we started out in verse 40. He's got his one and only daughter, and she's dying. And he does what any good dad will do. He does anything he needs to do to get her healed. To make her well. Any good mother would do that too. But it's the dad in this account. And here's the interesting thing about this dad. He's a religious leader. J. Iris. In the synagogue. And what we know about these religious religious leaders back in that day, most, if not all, did not really care for this Jesus. and like him. And yet, because of his daughter and her condition, he was willing to risk his reputation, his job, his status, everything to save his daughter. He's a good dad. He goes after Jesus. And Jesus, what does Jesus do? Well, he agrees with him. He says, yeah, I'll walk with you. I'll go to your house. We can do that. Jesus goes with him, starts to walk. But then what does Jesus do? Jesus stops. He stops. And I put myself in reading this, I put myself in Jairus' shoes here. What the Why why are we stopping? My daughter's dying. Why are you stopping? Imagine yourself being that dad. And and one's got to believe that Jairus at least might be, I know I would be, a little disappointed in Jesus. Jesus, I thought we were going to save my daughter. You're coming to save my daughter. Why are you stopping? Maybe a little disillusionment. Maybe even come to the conclusion that in that moment, maybe my view of Jesus isn't what it should be. And it can happen to us. And that's where I want to park here on our journey through this 
story in Luke chapter 8. Just park here for a minute because there are some common myths about God. We want to clear those up. There's three that are huge. A lot of people think that God is judgmental. You read the Old Testament. Oh, God is judging these people. He's judging. He's so judgmental. He judges me, therefore, by my mistakes. This bad thing is happening because I did this bad thing. God must be punishing me. He judges me by the things I've done wrong. But the truth is, here's the truth. God is compassionate. He's not judgmental. He's compassionate. As a matter of fact, Psalm 103.13 says, As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. The second myth is that God must be angry with me. He's just waiting. He's sitting there waiting for me to mess up. He's just waiting for me to fail. He's going to lose his temper and smite me. But the truth is, the truth of the matter is that God is patient with us. The King James Version uses, I love the word in the King James, he's long-suffering. He's patient with us. Exodus 34.6 says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Isn't that awesome? The third myth is this, that we see that there, there's just no way God could possibly love somebody like me. I, I've messed up. You have no idea what I've done. I've messed up so bad. No way. I've committed so many sins. I keep doing the same thing over and over. How could God love somebody like me? That's a myth. The truth is, the truth of the matter is that God is full of love. God is love. Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still yet Sinners, Christ died for us before you even acknowledged who God was. He loved you. You see, God is loving. That's the truth. Back to our story in Luke 8. You got these two daughters. First, you got the 12-year-old daughter. She's sick. She's dying. She's got no control over her situation. She can't get up. She can't go to Jesus, but she has a dad who could and does. And then you've got this woman who's been suffering for 12 years. Give you some of the details of this. You got 12 years. Woman is hemorrhaging. She spent all her money, all her money to find a cure. Can't find one. Because of her disease, she is considered ceremonially unclean which basically means she can't touch anything or anyone without making them unclean 
So think about it, 12 years. 12 years of going without the basic need of just human touch. Shaking somebody's hand, giving them a hug. 12 years, none of that. 12 years without being able to love somebody, embrace somebody. 12 years without hugging anybody. And I'm a hugger. I can't imagine 12 years of not being able to hug somebody. 12 years of feeling completely abandoned, completely ostracized from society. She couldn't touch anyone, let alone anything. Any, anything she sat on would become unclean as well. 12 years. She's got nobody to go on her behalf. And you see, both the little girl and the woman need healing. Otherwise, they'll die. And the truth is, how that relates to us, is that we all have wounds that need healing. And that healing only comes when we experience the love of a loving God. How do we experience this love? Well, in this passage in Luke 8, I think we're given three ways. The first way is that Jesus walks with us. He walks with us. This is what God does. Jesus walked with Jairus heading to his house to see his daughter. And no matter what your situation may be, whether you're in the mountaintop or you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist said, he walks with you. Jesus says, yes, I'll walk with you. Scripture says this in Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed or discouraged. So he walks with us. He walks with us. But he also, secondly, he stops for us. That's what Jesus does. Jesus stopped for this woman with the issue of blood. He stopped for her. And here's the thing. If you're feeling unlovable, he stops for you. If you feel not worthy, he stops for you. If you feel like you've failed beyond the possible realm of God's forgiveness, he stops for you. If you feel unseen, you feel unknown, you feel overlooked, you feel like nobody listens to you, nobody cares, he stops for you. And if you reach out to Jesus just to grab the hem of his garment, guess what? He'll stop for you too. He'll stop whatever he's doing and he'll walk with you. And he's not going to leave you behind either. Listen to me today. He's stopping for you. He's stopping for you right here, right now. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter how hard life has been, he's stopping for you in this moment. He walks with us. He stops for us. And then finally, third, he talks to us. I love this in Scripture so many times, hundreds of times. It's referenced in the Bible that God speaks to people. And in our story, Jesus talks to the woman. And I want, to, I want you to see the progression that's going on here. 
check this out. She goes from being ceremonially unclean. She's ostracized from her community. And then she becomes a part of the crowd. She's just one of the crowd now. She's healed. She reaches out and is healed in an instant when she touches Jesus' garment. And he looks at her, catch this, he looks at her and calls her what? Daughter. The only place in Scripture where Jesus calls someone daughter. She goes from being in the crowd to being a daughter of the living God. You see, the lavish love of your father labels you as his child, his son, his daughter. You are a child of God. His lavish love does that to you. It labels you. It marks you as his child. He walks with us. He stops for us. And he talks to us. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. What about that little girl? The little girl that was dying? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because this is where we're going to wrap it up. You see, many times we think that when Jesus is working on somebody else, somebody else's issues, he's left us behind. But I promise you, his love is way bigger than that. His love is big enough to cover all of it. So what happens with this 12-year-old daughter who's dying? Well, some guys come up to the dad and say, well, it's too late. She's gone. She's died. She's passed away. You can stop bothering Jesus now. It's too late. But you see, when all hope is gone, when it seems like the end has arrived, when it seems like, oh, there's just no way out. Can I tell you something? That's exactly when Jesus steps in and he says, no, 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 I've got the last say. And so what does he do? He walks with your hours. Gets to his house, stops there, talks to the little girl, grabs her hand, and says this, my child, get up. See, your situation may appear dead. Your situation may appear hopeless. But let me tell you, God can handle it all. His love is big enough, and he's not stopping. He's not going to stop working on you. He's not quitting. He's not done. His love is big enough. His love is big enough for the woman. His love was big enough for that little girl. His love is big enough for you. A woman and a little girl both needed the love of the Father. They lived through incredible struggles and pain. And they made a choice to receive and believe that God is loving. He is a loving Father. And this is so important because when, you, when we receive the Father's love, that's when we can actually give it away. You see, you can't give away what you don't have. When we receive the love of the Father... That's wonderful because now we get to give it away. We get to pass it on. He stops for you. He walks with you. And He talks with you. 
See what love the Father has given us or lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you are a loving Father who lavishes his love on us. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person, both here and online, that needs to experience your love. Lord, overwhelm them with your love. Remind them, God, that there's nothing we can do to separate us from your love. Nothing we can do to make you love us less, to make you love us less or to make you love us more. You love us just as we are. And we thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Be sure to join us next week for week four of God Is. And it's the message you don't want to hear. Be sure to join us next week for that episode. Get social with us on Soul Ramblings Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Got links in the show notes of this episode. And wherever you're listening today, would you go over and click subscribe? And that way you never miss a new episode. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. I really, really do appreciate it, and I do not take that for granted. And before we head out the door for this week, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I'm Jerry Wicker. See you next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast. Until then... Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.